the NFL Podcast. Back in Hollywood Park, baby. From the Chris Wessling Podcast Studio, it's the Around the NFL Podcast. I'm Dan Hansis. Joined by Greg Rosenthal. And Mark Sessler. See, I left a little pause in there, Mark. For the audience. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. People are so hot for Sessler right now. Your brand is very big. <laughs> Dipping away. Helped you in a way. Maybe do it again in a few weeks. You know, just throwing it out there. Brand building. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's only downhill at this stage. If now that I'm present and doing the job that they're, you know, in theory requesting me to do, that the, the popularity dips, I think you just stay out. I mean, that's just probably the next move. But we're, yeah, we're going to make a big deal out of every, you know, milestone for Sunday show. Mark's first <laughs> Sunday show back. I mean, I have been to this office previously for about 20 hours total. Right. Right. Not even. I mean, more like two hours. But it's so it's very strange to be back. But it's nice to be back in the Chris Wesley studio, one of the best rooms in all of L.A. You mentioned before that we are in Hollywood (laughs) Park. It's neither Hollywood. It's definitely not a park. I don't there's nothing about this place that would suggest a child's. um, They got the racetrack. Playland. Well, I mean, that's not a child's area. No, no. Racetrack. But the branding is spot on. Right. You know, Tinseltown, baby. Um, Mark, I I think it's something I, I, you know, it's a little bit of a sensitive topic. Um, so I didn't bring it up on Tuesday. Your oh, this, first could, show, this could go anywhere. So. Your first show back. But I think it, it's I was kind of hoping uh, uh, Greg would bring it up, but I will. Your prediction, your sandwich predictions about um, a coach resigning, about a cheerleader being majorly involved in the story or a story. Is, I don't want to be out of school here, but maybe a little on the nose that you were that that correct. Is it possible that you had something to do with this, that you were in the emails somehow, that you were a part of the whole controversy? Just put it out there. I be mean, honest. I, I am seeing that. Um, that's been thrown at me online multiple times. And my only response would be if there's any benefit to have never uh, been in the category of insider on any level. Um, that just, I mean, I've not provided inside information over the course of a decade inside this company. Why would I suddenly be? Well, you could be deep throat. Deep throat in this case is not going sure public. Could. He I decided to take, you know, he or she, um, you know, contributed to this story and uh, ultimately got you sandwiches. So you would have a motive. I, I mean, I think from the other, you know, the other person's angle, why include me? There's no upside for any other person that I win sandwiches on a podcast in a distant state. I don't know. All right. I just I'm just saying it, it feels absurd to me that you, I would suddenly be seen as a man with inside information. I simply made a very correct <laughs> prediction, multiple very correct predictions. And and that you did. And we will be uh, touching on what's going on around the Raiders with their new head coach, Greg. Rich Passaccia. Rich Passaccia. Coming up a little bit later. We're going to go through all the games of week six a little bit later uh, tonight, we will be recapping the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Philadelphia Eagles with Greg Rosenthal and mystery guest Nate Tice joining me tonight. Whoa, Nate Tice. Friend nice. of the show. Good one. Good one. Pencil behind the ear. Maybe. We'll see. Um, and uh, then we're going to go through uh, all the recaps of all the games. Um, in addition to Thursday Night Football on Sunday, our flagship program. But first, we've got a preview all of week six. And we do a draft style. But before we get to that. Let's start with the primetime games. And if we're start with the primetime games, and if we're starting 
with uh, Russell Wilson, uh, his hand all bandaged up, leading to the backup quarterback having to play in prime time in front of Al, Chris, and the world. That could only mean it's time for one thing. And now, another edition of Sipping on Vino, Checking on Gino. You know, sometimes, Greg, I wondered and I worried that we'd never be able to play that drop again because Gino would never have another opportunity. But here we are in the biggest of all spots at the age of, let's say he's about 30. I think he's right around 30 <laughs> years old. Uh, he's going to Pittsburgh to play a, a Steelers team flawed as they are at two and three, but with a great pass rush with TJ Watt leading the way with some playmakers um, in the secondary. Um, you were concerned when we talked about Gino in London having to start a game um, and really be out there, out in front. But he did play well in relief against the Rams. How do you feel about your boy, Geno Smith, in this spot and his team, by the way, in the hyper-competitive NFC West, desperately needing a win at 2-3 and three themselves? I mean, I don't feel great. It's a different thing to come in for two quarters and look good. And Gino did look good. I mean, he was changing plays at the line of scrimmage. Troy Aikman <laughs> was getting all excited. He's the 31-year-old. I, I always wondered, like, would this – long fascination with Geno Smith ever result in him ever getting another chance. Cause it felt like he was on the borderline when he had a rough concussion in, in the preseason of like, could this be the end of Geno Smith's career? It's one thing to do that for two drives against the Rams. It's another for four quarters. Cause the Seahawks are a bad team. I mean, that's like the whole story of this Seahawks yeah. season is Russell Wilson is basically the one thing that they have that they do well. I mean, they had, they have Lockett and DK Metcalf on the outside. Uh, but other than that, it's, one of the worst offensive lines in the league. It's a pretty bad running game. Statistically, it's one of the worst defenses in the league. It's basically, uh, through five games, one of the worst Seahawks teams, I would say the worst that we've seen. That's a big ask for Geno Smith to come in here. Against under a, Pete Carroll. A, a good, yes. Yeah, under Pete Carroll. And look um, like a guy who can move the ball up and down the field on a Steelers defense that I still have a lot of respect for. Right. I think it's the Steelers defense factor. I mean, there was a play a couple plays in against the Rams where I thought that essentially what, you know, some of Geno's success was the Rams defense looking a little out of it, a little gas towards the end of that game. But you know what he did? I thought managed the game really well. I mean, he took a lot of time at the line of scrimmage, but they talked about the fact that like his, all of his nine completions basically were less than 10 air yards. He took what the Rams gave him. He was one for seven on shots that were downfield. But I thought he made some plays, but Pittsburgh with a week to prepare is going to look at this team and say, number one, it's not just Geno. It's the fact that like the Seahawks late in that Rams game doing all they could to stop the Rams. They basically, the Rams, like, we're going to run the ball. They put Daryl Henderson right up the gut of Seattle's defense, 12-yard gain. Seattle knew what was coming, couldn't stop it. I just look at the Seattle defense. It's last in the league in yardage. It's not the case with points allowed. They're about 20-something. But this is so atypical of where Pete Carroll has taken this team on previous journeys. And so to your point, Greg, if you take Russell Wilson out of the mix, Gino makes it a total mystery soup, and I'm not sure know, where I'm this just, ends. Like, we'll be taping the pod during the first half and then, you know, peek behind the curtain. We started, I, you know, watch the first half as the second half. Like, I'm not looking for – I'm missing this. This has been like a seven-year project for me, and we're missing the start of this game? Well – This isn't good. It will be – I'm going to just – people are just going to be bombing me with, like, reactions, <laughs> good or bad, and I won't know what's going on. And remember, we have a uh, viewing theater here at the new network yeah. offices, and uh, you are welcome to sit right next to me. We could chop it up in the second half. And, Mark, uh, I'd love for you to join us as well. Uh, Greg has been keeping his distance from me in the theater. 
and it's been an issue um, that I've been dealing with privately and As publicly. As doing like the guy thing where you don't sit next to each other right. in a movie theater. I mean, we actually went to a movie together once down in San Diego. I believe we sat next to each other. Did yeah, we not? we did. We sat right next to each other and saw the That's Jennifer like COVID Lawrence times. Literally, picture. no one is sitting right next to each other. It's a big, nice no uh, one thing. That we're I think all one to two chairs space. Then you That's is fine. fine, but you are eight chairs separated. That's pretty on the nose, Greg. Maybe you could sit in between the giant space that Greg leaves between. Well, me maybe and he was leaving a space for me, like this you do a at phone, a table for a someone that's passed away. It's a phony bit. It's a manufactured bit. It's I don't think so. Joke. The Steelers, <laughs> the, the Steelers, uh, finally looked uh, something of a balance. Uh, found something of a balance on offense. Now uh, they set season highs last week in points, total yards, rushing yards against Denver and you know Denver's got a good defense uh and especially I think the rushing yardage jumped out because they were averaging just over 50 yards a game in the first uh four weeks of the season and this is you know coming off the Najee Harris first round pick Harris blows up Greg um Roger uh Ben Roethlisberger has some success uh is this something sustainable especially against this defense yes this week I was wondering if if their offensive line played like that moving forward then Mark can start getting a little worried again that the Steelers are going to do something. Like, you were, you were on the Steelers are going to collapse bandwagon. I mean, and, for and about he, a month and, and a half. And then he jumped the off it totally. And then at 1-3, right. it was like, oh, you should have you should have stayed on it. But last week, like, they pushed the Broncos around. It's not like Najee Harris suddenly was running better. It was just they absolutely, like, was pushing them backwards. If they can do that even just a little bit, their offense could be fine. It, But it's not like Roethlisberger played any better. He made a bunch of mistakes in that game, and he just had Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson making plays for him. And if somehow you missed it, Russell Wilson underwent surgery on his right middle finger and is expected to return no earlier than week 10. So it is... Virtual must-win territory for I'd Seattle. I'd like to put a sandwich on him returning earlier than Week Ten. Okay. Uh, no, I won't. Yeah, I won't I don't challenge think I you would on take that. You, I, I just feel like yeah. it feels very like they're going to set up a, a bar and then he's going to come back early, and and that's okay. That's a good move in that's life, okay. right? You know? But also, like, yeah, I don't want to take it away from. Him. I think he's an incredible competitor. Who stayed on the field his whole career. But someone on our point. network literally said, like, he, you know, he's like an incredible healer. He's one of the best. Yeah, healers. that I can't. It's like, what, what are you talking? There's about? a. The, there's a huge mural. Well, there's murals everywhere in this new building, and right outside the commissary area, there's all these like buzzwords for believing in oneself, and one of them's like determination, and it's like a picture of like Russell Wilson like clasping his hands together, like biting his lower lip. He's like drinking that concussion <laughs> juice, the juice that like fixes your. It's like that resonates with no group less than NFL media reporters. Every time Let's I get this done, it. Gino. By the way, let's win this game. Oh, Maybe you don't Greg. need. You know, maybe you win 17 to 16. Let's go Seahawks defense. Let's play some team football, and uh, Gino can at least. You're calling for an embarrassing loss for the Steelers to, in week six, fall to Gino Smith in a bad defense. That would be nice. All right. That was it. And that was another edition of Let's Go. Sipping on Vino, checking on Gino. Mm, Frags with incredible voice work. Let's move to Monday Night Football. The Buffalo Bills four and one. So they had pri- they had a primetime game last week. Whooped up on the Chiefs at Arrowhead. Uh, that was grisly. Um, if you're a Chiefs fan, and now they go to Tennessee to uh, face the Titans, the three and two Titans, the Titans who got uh, a big performance per usual from Derrick Henry in their win over the Jaguars. Here's a great, great stat. 
Ron Henry. And we all know Henry is the guy that does it all for the Titans. Um, he's that important to them. He is without him. They are a bad team. And this stat from CBS, if you remember the Thursday night game and Graverman setting and Graver, why I always had the man sitting in for Grave Digger, sitting in for Ricky, who was a little under the weather. The Thursday night game uh, a couple of years back was against the Jaguars when he had 200 touchdowns or 200 yards and four touchdowns um, from that game. Uh, it's been 40 games since, and it's the most productive stretch by a running back in NFL history. 4,792 yards over that span, just ahead of Jim Brown, who's a guy who's a guest on the ATL Debate Club. That's back how most day. people know him. Actually said that he enjoyed the interview, which I I don't he think did. he was you know being phony about that. I called him uh, some of his behavior when he was younger is audacious. And he goes, that's a good word, young man. <laughs> said, all right, Jim Brown. Thanks for the compliment. Anyway, so Derrick Henry's there. They got him. However, Mark, you have the Buffalo Bills here, and you have a team that's hitting on all cylinders right now, and even Derrick Henry might not be able to handle what's coming here. Well, not to mention the rest of Tennessee's uh, rather bland nature and, you know, I think a team that's just sort of in the middle of the mix. Uh, Tannehill's the most sacked quarterback in the league. And, Greg, you're a DVOA guy. There's the seventh worst team, Tennessee, in the league. DVOA wise. I mean, they're Sounds just, right. they're a bland middle of the pack team in a rough division and the bills shook off their early issues on offense and look unbeatable. I mean, they beat the dolphins 35 to nothing. They were utterly unstoppable against a bad chiefs. Defense. You don't have to like recap the whole like six weeks you were gone or whatever. I just, I'm <laughs> looking back on what we they've get done. It. You and were it's plugged like, into the league well, this, while you were this, like slump that people were, you know, fretting over for a fortnight. It's like, that's just early season blues. And, right, and like, that, that was one game where they outgained the other team by 140 yards. Right, it's the Steelers who I think can do that to certain teams. Yeah, I you're basically talking about the last time you were here. That was, was the last time I was Bills. here. That's very fair. That's the last <laughs> thing that I've touched, you know, as of you. The world but, has moved on, Mark. I do think <laughs> the Bills. Here's the thing. They've added. It's not just last Mark year's is like team. Dusting off the cobwebs on his laptop right now. Not true. I worked quite hard attempting to while gone because you can't just skip a month of the. Looks NFL like the season. Steelers are going to be okay. <laughs> That's that is absolutely not accurate. Here's what I like about the Bills. I think someone like Dawson Knox is coming into his own. Like Emmanuel Sanders was by a good front office a really good addition. I was a t. I wanted the Ravens to get him a year ago because he plugs in really well. He's been good for them. Well, I think Leslie Frazier has been coordinator of the year material. It's material. Gregory Russo is all over the place. I just think it's as much the Bills' defense as the offense in Tennessee. I don't trust them to get to use this game as anything other than a primetime embarrassment to I, some degree. Okay, so the, the Super Bowl last year with the Chiefs, it was such, uh, the whole thing was a blur for us personally and everything. But, like, that game, was, it was so weird to watch the Chiefs getting beat up on. But what I saw on Sunday against the Bills was even stranger, and this is a credit to Buffalo, where it felt like they knew everything the Chiefs were going to do on defense. And there was nothing when Patrick Mahomes tried to get it heated up to try to get back in that game. It was just wasn't there. And I think that that shows you the preparation uh, of this team and also that they just seem – they are ready to take that next step and become a true superpower, a uh, Super Bowl level team. And I'm with you. I think this is, does not set up well for the Titans, who, Greg, don't have a lot of. I'm sure they'll tell you they have a lot of urgency, but they're playing in this terrible division where they're going to win 
eight games and probably win the division and they could handle a loss here. I'm not saying that's going to lead to them not giving you a good effort in this game, but it just feels like we're, these are two different teams at two different places. The Bills have been the best team in the league and the Titans are far from that. They should have Julio Jones back this week. AJ Brown has been, was back, but hasn't really produced at all this year, which is a weird subplot of the Titans. Uh, The only thing that the Titans could hope is, you know, it's a little bit of a letdown. The Bills, you know, get that big win in prime time in Kansas City. That's slaying the dragon. But the Bills should remember that game last year. Don't you guys remember? They were both undefeated Monday Night Football, and the Titans destroyed. They put a 40 burger on the Bills. They won by about 30 points in that game. Uh, So the Bills should be looking for a little revenge <laughs> and we're not even allowed to lock this one up or else I would because on the road it is crazy the Derrick Henry thing I do want to point out just like how crazy he is right now not only only is he leading the league in you know yards carries and rushing touchdowns for the third straight year which is that's crazy he has 142 carries right now the next closest player has 94 yeah I mean that's like he's also you know he's on pace for because of the 17 games about 475 carries so he has broken every rule that there is and there's still a part of me that's like I don't know they obviously can you, can you keep doing this yeah forever? they're just like we're gonna do it and we're gonna see if he could keep it up but yeah he's on pace to shatter the all-time single season carry record and by the way not for nothing the rushing record so um here's the l- last thing on this game from the bills side of things since that week two since week two, he threw out the Pittsburgh game. They're first in points per game, first in points per game allowed, first in point differential, first in turnover differential, first in sack difference, and first in average margin of victory. Yeah, they're the best team in football right now. And that's going to be a lot for Tennessee to handle. All right, let's now move out of the primetime window and to our draft. And Mark, since you've been out of the office, I, I think, you know, give you a little cookie. First overall pick. I mean, I'm, like a, I'm like an expansion team, so you've got to give that person a chance to build, you know, from the ground up at this point. I mean, I'm not going to – I don't fear that one of you would steal this, but – That means you have to take the Jaguars. That does not mean that. We're, that is that, – that, game that game's like open. Six we'll, in the morning. We'll all be up at 6.30. We'll all be watching Dolphins-Jags. Go ahead, Mark. Most of us will. Um, I am going to take Arizona at Cleveland because I think it's one of the best games of the week, and it's – Cleveland, I think, trying and they're your to favorite show. team. They are my nice favorite to have team. The Browns available to draft and watch the last few weeks. I got to admit, I have to say something about the Browns. They really annoyed me last week. Um, but I don't understand how you come out of that game blaming everything on Baker Mayfield. Who look at he he ha- he has missed throws the last two weeks. I don't think his left shoulder has been healthy in that sling. People that have had that injury say that takes about three weeks to get used to, if not more. There's obviously chemistry issues with Odell Beckham that last week really cost them, cost them the week before. So I'm not here to say that Baker Mayfield's been perfect, but last week against Justin Herbert in the Chargers, they were so injury-riddled on defense. They were down to their fourth, fifth, sixth defensive back, and those guys were getting injured in a game where they gave up 47 points. What about the defense a few weeks before when Clowney was in there, when they had their full complement of players? So... You, you, they're a little healthier this week, but I don't think it gets any easier with the Cardinals. I, I watch this Arizona team, and they are energy. They are confidence. They boldly pass the ball deep. And you look at what the front office has done. Adding someone like Rondale Moore was such a perfect addition that the point where DeAndre Hopkins is sometimes not really even the center point of this passing attack. I, I, don't, I think this is a tough another t- very tough draw for Cleveland who the one thing about the Browns, I know that they're the, like one of the best fourth quarter offenses in terms of when they're at leading and their ground game. 
is churning out, which has happened in multiple games. But I look at the Browns and kind of say, you aren't the Ravens. You aren't some of these other teams because you can't close games out. They should. They could have two more wins than they do right now if you look at them a little I, differently. I mean, I think the Baker thing, like whatever, he played great and the offense played great against the Chargers. So I and like the sling thing, you keep hearing that, like how much that bothered him. But there's also a lot of evidence at this point in his career that he's just he's streaky. Sometimes right. he's but really what, good. What happened last week had nothing to do with his arm. Here's why people get on him, because when it, he gets the ball. Not only does Kevin Stefanski run it on third and 10 when you're trying to put the game away, which which kind of shows a, a little bit of a lack of confidence. Bigger. The problem is when you get the ball with a minute 30 left and you got one timeout, I believe, at that point, that's where the quarterback takes control. And he ran an awful two-minute drive. He made a bunch of bad decisions where he throws it two yards in the middle of the field. And that's the moment that's like the quarterback has to be the quarterback and he has to be the guy who runs it and he didn't run it. And so that's why he gets he gets the grief, I think. And I think it, it makes sense. It doesn't mean he gets all the grief. He played pretty well. But that's the moment people like are wanting out of Baker Mayfield. I think that's fair. It's fair. I, I think that he's treated a little differently than other quarterbacks. But, but enough with Baker because, I mean, it's Kyler Murray to me who three months ago, I looked at this Cardinals team thinking that they were going to be the team that took a dirt nap in that division, even if they probably still would win seven or eight games. And you have to give Cliff Kingsbury a ton of credit for what they've done. And it's not just him. I think Vance Joseph on defense has done the kind of job that could give Cleveland problems. They are, I believe, one of the worst, the fifth worst run defense. You sound nervous about this game, Mark. Well, they're they're undefeated. And listen, remember when they added the 17th game? They're favored. I don't care if Cleveland is favored. They're favored by a field goal. That means nothing They're catching him in the right week. They're I guess you're be catching without. them at home. You don't have you don't have Chandler Jones. You don't have Rodney Hudson. You don't have Chandler Jones. Those are two of their very best players. There's some reports about more COVID tests might be positive there. I don't know if that's coaches or what. But the the availability is pretty huge because Clowney, Garrett, you know McKinley, War. You know maybe you get Ward back. It sounds like, but it, you don't really know if these guys are playing or not. We don't know. Where do you uh, five games into the season, Mark? What grade would you give the Browns right now? Where do you feel about them right now? B plus. Okay, so you feel good. I think they're a B plus team, and they they aren't an A team until they can beat the Chargers and knock out other teams that are growing. It's a nice opportunity though, just to kind of wipe the taste off, and you beat the undefeated team, and you get to four and two, and you feel good. I I was agitated in my house watching this, and also not at work. So you think it's a vacation day? It's not. It's like. That was such a that was such a uh, and it didn't work out because they lost the game, Mark. But you had we are in London. You're not working. The Browns are playing. They're playing at a building that's like a mile away from your house. You got to be at that game. I don't have to be. You got to get in that building. How do you? How do it's you your explain, last chance to ever do it. How do you explain? First of all, like it just wasn't going to happen. I was still in recovery mode to some degree. But how would I explain <laughs> to any of you or anyone that I work with that I'm, you know, Dude, joking the, around this entire building? While all you guys people are working. All people do in this building is go to the games across the street. Well, that is fair, but. <laughs> I we would not have chagrined. We would have had no issue. But with you texted me and said as much. Yeah. But I know it was not on the table mentally. All right. Let's uh, move on. Uh, who do you got in the game, boy? By the way? I'm taking the Browns. I think they're a better team. I mean, the Car- Cardinals are good. But the, if ever the Cardinals are going to lose a game, it's like on the road, out of conference. They're they're missing their guys. Their, their offense you know, had some struggles last week. Not that that's an uh, overarching concern. But I think the Browns are a better team. I pick Cleveland, I think, like 30 to 29. But just because... And I think kind of my my thought about the Browns is like 
their defense stunk yet last Sunday, but that happens every once in a while. That game turned into a track meet. But we've seen their defense, that it could be great. We've seen the offense can be great. The Browns are going to be okay. Yeah, the Cardinals are due for a loss. I got the Browns too. All right, before Greg's up, let's take a break. All right, let's uh, move to Greg. Oh, should have th- should have thought about this <laughs> a little ahead of time. And now my computer is frozen. And he and he loses his draft spot. I mean, oh, like, I raced in like the Vikings getting father, banged like the other day. All right, I will take Chargers oh, at no, Ravens. No, no, oh, gotcha. No, you got Vikings. No, you I got gotta, Vikings, I gotta, baby. I gotta take Lamar and Justin Herbert. Wait a second. I take it back. Wait a second. I, I don't. Mark, know, you have to well, decide this because this has never happened. But he, I, he had the clock, just like what happened to the Vikings about ten it was years three ago. Three seconds. I know, but so I'm 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 thrust back into the studio and must create a, a all right Graver between Greg and I. I Graver, so. Graver. Come on, it's Lamar. It's Herbert. I've that done doesn't the, mean I've done the what, groundwork. You you only appreciate no, these quarterbacks. No, but I've I've put in the work. I feel like Greg is really strict about. The locks, and if he's going to be that strict about that, uh-huh. but there, there was no rules to this in terms of time. I'm just we're waiting for my this computer is from 2014 to unfreeze. That's your issue. So has he been hopscotched? Is that it seemed like the pick was turned into the podium before Greg got sorry, it? In. Greg. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm going to watch it anyways. It doesn't really matter. All right. Well, that Char- will be the thing where you're watching the just, game, but I'm, so is Greg. I'm just watch it. All right. So I'll take the Chargers at the Ravens. Oh, 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 oh. Beautiful game. Beautiful game. And we have Justin Herbert, who's a man possessed and absolutely in the uh, running right now for um, MVP. Hey, but guess what? Lamar Jackson, he's already been an MVP and he just put together one of the great performances uh, that I remember on Monday Night Football in terms of a just a going off and being unstoppable uh, for a long stretch of play. So you have two four and one teams here. Um, fighting it out, first place AFC West, first place AFC North. Uh, Greg, does it, it? Do you take anything? Well, this we, game's ruined for me now. I was been <laughs> haven't been more excited about a game all season. You'll still be able to watch it. It's just that was maybe when your draft, when the card comes in, you got to be ready to turn it in. You got to get up to that podium. I mean, Greg, if you were this excited, if it's the most excited you've been for a game, I don't know what what the pause was point. when you were. Well, I wasn't really thinking. I wanted to like look at it. Let's see what's at one and four. And anyway, that. so the Ravens, you know, very easily could have lost the game against the Colts. Uh, do you take anything out of that? That they kind of got lucky a little bit Monday, in addition to everything else. And the Chargers, meanwhile, are just a more impressive team through five weeks. Oh, if you want to go with luck, they're both one of you know two of the luckiest teams in the league. Depends if you want to how much you put into like winning games like that is skill or luck because the Ravens have come from way behind three different times this year. And the chargers, I I tend to think have just closed really well. I don't know if they've gotten lucky, but certainly they've hit a million fourth downs where the, the game would have been totally different. They've outscored opponents 59. It's been a little different. The profiles of the games have been different. They've been a little different. The, yeah. the, the, but they're the two best closers in the league is what I mean. Lamar and Herbert. They've The chargers have outscored opponents 59 to 28 in the fourth quarters, which is just crazy to think that the chargers are the clutch team. Now, like the chargers are the clutch team making smart decisions <laughs> at the such end. Such a jinx. And the Ravens are the like way more imbalanced team because they can't run the ball. Right. I think that's been a little under the radar that like their running game is bad. I like the chargers have closed out multiple games, including against the Browns being able to run the ball somewhat. Whereas the Ravens, can't run it. Everyone who just got on Greg Roman over and over, it's like, you've only got one thing you can do. It's like, 
They're totally different now. You got on Greg Roman a little bit too. It's working. Like, oh, you're predictable. They are anything but predictable now. They are a pass-heavy team. I want to see a little more Tyson Williams, though. Enough of this, like, uh, yesterday's news uh, collection of players that they just keep trotting out there. Tyson Williams at least has some juice. It's different to be the Steelers who can't run the ball, and it's Big Ben sitting back there versus the Ravens. And it's Lamar Jackson. I think any coach is like, you still have to. And play Lamar can Lamar. still run the ball. Exactly. But he like, can't even, even in that game last week, I think that was a, he, he's not running it that well on design runs right now. They're not running. It. And the fumbles and are yet, still there. But like talk right. about creating your own luck though. I mean, both right. these teams go for it on fourth down. Uh, Justin Herbert as you know, metrically is the best thrower on third and fourth down in the league right now. And it looks that way. And the Ravens, they had drives of 80, 79, 75, 78, 75, and 68 yards down the stretch against the Colts. That's not luck. And you know what is luck, though? He lo- Lamar did lose a fumble, <laughs> lost the fumble at the goal line, and he came within a whisker, a cat's whisker, of losing the game with another another goal line fumble. Uh, so, yes, I guess there is some fortune around this team for sure. But as much as like we could get like oh, they need to figure out their running game, they lead the entire NFL in yards per game. They have 440 yards per game. And then what you said about Baker and his inability to kind of zone in and take control of that game in the big spot, like Herbert is on the other side of the field. Maybe that's why they won 47 to 42, uh, because Herbert, you put him in a big spot and he just is one of those guys that gets better. Uh, this this it might be could be the best quarterback uh, matchup of the year. I I can't wait. I that's why I drafted. But it you first. waited too long. No, that's the problem. It's also got a potential offensive rookie of the year versus defensive rookie of the year matchup where they actually are against each other in Rayshon Slater versus uh, Odafe Owe, who's both of them are playing lights out. Slater's turned into maybe if you could redraft all the tackles from the last two years. People might take Slater above them all. That's how good he's looked. And Owe has been incredible. Uh, otherwise, I don't know. Like these, neither defense is very good. The Ravens defense is below average this year. Chargers defense just kind of gives up yards. So I would expect it to be a shootout. Slater was on Miles Garrett and they kept trying to help him with chip blocks. And he said, enough with the chip block. I'll handle it myself. And he did fine. What <laughs> we talked about it downstairs, Mark, the, uh, Miles Garrett decorated his house for Halloween and has tombstones with quarterbacks' names written all over them, and he has a Justin Herbert tombstone. Well, it's like you got. I mean, first of all, maybe like, not. You can update the. He, Halloween he did get a sack. He did get a sack. Well, but. maybe that's how he's monitoring whether or not the quarterback is in under six feet under the earth. I mean, the Browns lost, so I. I, I mean, Four hundred yards and five Herbert TDs. Thriving, you know. So. All right, Greg, you are on the clock. Oh, yeah. You are on the – and guess what? It's snaking to you, so you, you, you're you not going to get popped by anybody behind you. All right. I'll take uh, the the worst game possible since I'm just going to watch Chargers-Ravens. Anyways, Texans-Colts off the top. Uh, that is a terrible, terrible pick. Uh, I uh, think the Texans should be happy. They get to see Davis Mills for another week. It's like if Tyrod Taylor was ready to come back and some people are – been conspiracy theorists being like, are they trying to tank? Because Tyrod, you know, it's, it, maybe he should be back. And Laramie Tunsil's now out for a month with the surgery. Um, Davis Mills just played the best game any rookie right, quarterback put him on the bench. Right, any rookie quarterbacks played this year. I it was shocking, uh, but he made some great throws on the move. So you want to see him for another week. And if you're the Colts, I, I think you still feel like you have 
a chance here this season. Their offense has looked a little better each and every week. I think Carson Wentz has looked a little better each and every week. You might get T.Y. Hilton back at some point somewhat soon. Uh, and you got to just take care of business here. And that's why, you know, so many reasons why that was just a brutal loss on Monday night for the Colts. If you find a way to win that game on Monday, then you got the Texans right after that in your building. And then you're three and three. And that could put you in a first place tie uh, after week six in your division. I mean, that is that's what we're talking about in terms of what's going on in the AFC South. Um, but. To that point, even with that loss, if you get this win, you get and you get to two and four, you're hanging around in your division. Uh, I guess, Mark, it is a kind of a measuring stick game. I talked about it, how, you know, some losses are so bad it can ruin your season. Don't get beat here. Don't let Davis Mills light you up the way Davis Mills lit up the Patriots in week five. I mean, it's a huge if there's any team on the how do you respond uh, you know, bust. It's the Colts because I, that's the kind of thing where it, it could end a season for a team that's not mentally tough. I think they are. Uh, if Davis Mills does does what he did last week or anything close, he becomes a thing. I mean, I thought he made incredible throws on fourth down late in the game. I love what Tim Kelly, their arm. offensive coordinator, did early on. Their first drive was an 18-play, 79-yard touchdown drive that took 10 minutes off the clock against Bill Belichick, the best showing against the Patriots defense. So also, I mean, coming off maybe the worst game a quarterback's played by Davis Mills against Buffalo the it's week before. It's been a roller coaster. So let's see what he does. I mean, but if you're the Texans, Rookie why QBs. shove Tyrod Taylor back in there? It's a lost season. Find out what you have. And keep an eye on Jonathan Taylor, who's been heating up the last two weeks. Remember, by the end of last season, he was all but unstoppable, and that could be a major Right. Um, their defense played their best well. three quarters of the year by far in Baltimore, and their offensive line played their best game of the year. So I thought they, they had some good things in that game. All right, pick I need game. a late game. Well, I needed a game that I'm not going to really watch because I'm going to watch. But you will watch Chargers. it, though, yeah, because the, you have to be a professional. Right. Well, I will later in the week on game. But night. what about Sunday night? That's your time. Don't you understand what we're doing here, Greg? We watch two games right. and then a third, and then we talk about it Sunday night. Right, but with the bye weeks, I'll be fine. It'll, it'll work out. No, but you have to be able to know. Okay. The listeners no one, know. No Mark understands. Well, I no thought one. it would be me that needed a, a rules refresher, but it's <laughs> apparently not. You just have to have eyes on that game, and that's a rough game to have eyes on. Even if your primary game you're paying attention to is Chargers Ravens, you can't not watch the game you just drafted third overall. Or, it just, is Colts Texans. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't know. Raiders Broncos. I'll take late. Uh, this is a big game. Each of these teams, two game losing streak, both feeling like their season could really start going next level, like in the hole if they lose this game. I'm not really of the mind that the Raiders are lost because they just got rid of like some demigod who was probably not that fun to play for in the first place for the next 13 weeks. I just think there's been this weird idea that like, oh, the Raiders are done now because John Gruden's gone. And I think there's an equally good chance that John Gruden being out of the building is a positive that, you know, I think you could Ooh. almost feel that with some of Mayock's uh, quotes. This is a guy that wasn't a lot of fun, I don't think, to play for. I don't think they're going to necessarily be better and that their flaws go away. But I certainly don't think that losing John Gruden means the team is in way worse shape. It, I know now the because of everything that happened now, John Gruden wasn't worth a damn. But he was a very important person in that building and he was the offensive coordinator. Uh, essentially, and he was the guy that worked with Derek Carr, that coached him up, got him to a much better place. With him just disappearing, I don't think you could say that that doesn't matter. And now you have the special. I'm not teams saying it coach. doesn't matter, but why? Or makes them better we, is what you're saying. I'm, I mean, I'm saying it 
I don't think it makes them worse necessarily. Or did we hear you're saying like people didn't like playing for John Gruden? I, I don't remember hearing a lot of that before this happened. I'm just saying he has been the most important person in them being a below average franchise for four years. So getting rid of him in any other scenario, you wouldn't be like, oh, they're screwed now. They have professional, you know, people love Basaccia. You know, big time Basachi fan. Greg Olson's, <laughs> you know, called plays for Derek Carr before. Basachi it's not, heads. It's not like he hasn't um, been a coordinator in the league. I'm just saying. It's I- just a big rotation, like on the fly. I guess that's kind of where, where I'm coming from. By the way, Mike Mayock spoke with the media uh, about uh, everything that's gone on. Here was his, his kind of overarching thoughts. We'll start here uh, with what's going on around the Raiders. The way I grew up, the Raiders always stood for diversity. They had the first Latino quarterback, Tom Flores. He also became the second Latino head coach. The first African-American head coach was Art Shell. The first female CEO was Amy Trask. Obviously, all of that was under Al Davis's watch. This week, his son, Mark Davis, I think had a tough time. He had a tough week. And then he was asked about, you know, with the comments that leaked uh, the Gruden emails and how that reflects on a primarily black locker room. And, oh, by the way, Carl Nassib, the first ever openly gay player, was also on the Raiders and who requested and received a personal day um, on Wednesday away from the team. Uh, May I hit that as well? Uh, I've talked to several of the black players. Okay, I think we've reached out to a bunch of players, black and white. Everybody's got emotions and feelings. I've talked to some of the people in my department that are black and my my I, my director of pro scouting. And I just said, DJ, I can't put myself in your shoes. Help me. So we've spent a pretty good amount of time trying to trying to help these guys and talk with these guys and not talk out at them, but with them. And the other thing I would say is just uh, for Carl, it, it, let's be honest, he's a community of one that's openly gay. OK. Um, we do have a large community of African-American players, and, and we're, I'm trying to do, we're trying to do everything we can for that community as well, obviously. It started there. Okay, nobody's forgetting that. We're ta- and, and I'm trying to, do, to work with everyone, and we're going to continue to do that. Well, I think that shows that your focus, no matter how much you want it to be, just on the Broncos is in all sorts of other places because Greg, I kind of even hear what you're saying that maybe the Gruden experience leaving the building from a football angle, from a refresher angle might for some people be uh, maybe Mayock. Like there was a power vacuum there, but the idea that so many people trusted Gruden and then you find out all this stuff, like these are young people. I think there are a lot of people affected. It also, what it doesn't change though, is that the Raiders team that I've watched over the last couple of weeks cannot run the ball. They cannot stop the run. Their offensive line has been a disaster. They had eight holding penalties last week, one which took away a touchdown that turned into a field goal. That's a big problem for Derek Carr. Um, I don't buy into the stuff that Derek Carr isn't tough, this or that. Anyone playing NFL quarterback as long as he has, I don't those questions, and I think a lot of players feel the same way, don't care about that issue. But he is under duress, and he's certainly, like a lot of other quarterbacks, not the same quarterback when that's happening. And I look at teams, no matter who the coach is, when you cannot run, cannot stop the run, the offensive line has major issues with players moving to positions they never played. You've got issues against the Broncos defense. By the way, the Broncos, how about be a little more creative on on offense. Like I understand that, you know, you you don't have Justin Herbert at quarterback, but you go watch the way they came out last week against Pittsburgh, zero creativity, three drives that each went for about 20 yards total. Come on, Pat Shermer. Mm, Pat Shermer. <laughs> I mean, it, it is one of those situations where like, 
everything everyone said the whole offseason ended up being right, which is the offensive line moves that they made. It's killed them. It's just killing their season. The Raiders like can't function on offense because of their offensive line. But this is a good matchup for it. The Broncos have one of the worst uh, pass rushers in the entire NFL. I think they're second or third to last in pass rush win rate. It's basically Von Miller and then County on the secondary. Where That's do you it. stand? Uh, I asked uh, Mark about his team, the Browns. Where do you stand on the Broncos right now through five weeks? Teddy's come down to earth a little bit, the defense. He's, I thought he played maybe his be- one of his best games last week. It's not a good situation when I think Teddy is beating any expectation that I had for him. Uh, and the team's not good. Like the strengths that they were supposed to have are not strengths right now. You have Hamler, Judy, and Okuibunum out. So that you had this like six pack of guys that were going to be catching passes. Three of them are gone. You thought the pass rush with Chubb and Miller would be good. Chubb isn't there. The pass rush is bad. And then the secondary is like kind of sprung some leaks too. So these strengths that I was expecting haven't really been strengths. T- Teddy's exceeded. And well, you've like got Teddy pretty high in your QB index. I, I like. That. I I know. I know. We we're not huge fans of Teddy. He played great last week in that game against Pittsburgh. Like. In just in terms of offensive efficiency, they had 19 points, and he th- he ended the game with an interception in the end zone. Uh, how great on a, could on he a have fourth been? Fourth down throw. I thought he played really well in that game. If you go th- throw to throw, uh, I thought it was probably his best start of the year, inc- including the first three weeks. He is number one in the league uh, in EPA plus completion percentage over expected. I don't think he's the best quarterback in the league, but it kind of shows how they've moved the ball efficiently. He hasn't made any mistakes. But you need him to just if if him being average is not enough, they're not going to be good. That's yeah, and and you got to win this game. You got to find a way to win this game. You, if you don't beat them, you're on a three game losing streak, and then you go to Cleveland, and I guess it kind of gets back to uh, the the Teddy experience. Like he's not going to take your team and lift them up when there are a lot of issues around it. He's he's a good guy when things are set up well around him. He's kind of like a Sam Darnold type. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, we'll see what happens with the Broncos this week. I kind of, they're going to get some kind of like that but- spice rack thing. The, uh, yeah. you know, pick the team that has a lot of drama rallying around, <laughs> the interim. uh, chaos. All right. I'm up. I will select the, uh, final late game on the board. Cowboys at Patriots. Cowboys have been awesome. Just awesome. And, uh, you know, I you look at them and they just had a three three game homestand where they just kind of went off and flexed their muscles and they out they outscored the Eagles, Panthers, and Giants 121 to 69. Um, they pass the ball well. They run the ball well. Uh, they are uh, much better on defense. Uh, and they have something really interesting cooking here in that they have a legitimate MVP uh, candidate in Dak. They have a legitimate rookie defensive of the year candidate in Micah Peters. And they have a legitimate defensive player of the year candidate in Trayvon Diggs. That's the recipe for a lot of W's. I mean, they're a juggernaut. I don't know why everyone like is clinging on so hard to their previous Cowboys opinions that the, they're anything but you know, the best team in the NFC or one of the best teams in the NFL. That's just, that's just who they are. It's very, it seems very obvious. Maybe things could change, but the offense isn't going to change. The defense is not just like getting by. They're like a top 10 type of defense right now. I I was stunned that this game started as almost an even point spread 
uh, before betters, you know, went heavy on the Cowboys and moved it to four. How is that even possible? I, I know the Patriots are a legacy brand, but I typically the line's smarter than that, even at the start. Correct. Well, who knows? Like, like what's the case? Like the, the Vegas made so much money on almost the entire country picking the Bucks, you know, as heavy favorites a couple weeks ago, and the Bucks didn't cover that game. Maybe it's a little bit of a residual uh, effect <laughs> of that, of like the Patriots at home will cook some stuff up. But I don't get it because, sure, the Patriots could come up with one of their great game plans to slow it down, and Mac Jones, like, it's possible. But the, the these aren't the Patriots. They're negative three in turnover margin. That's, like, the most unpatriots thing possible. John Smith is a disaster and their defensive rankings to me are entirely a reflection of the teams they've played. I don't think they've been a particularly good defense. Yeah, they're 26 in scoring, too. And I could see the Cowboys, you know, on a weekly basis, putting up 35. And this is kind of the Cowboys team that we did believe in a few years ago. PFF has them, you know, as of yesterday, their number one offensive line. Uh, They're dominant on the ground. Pollard, it leads the league in yards per carry. And I think he has about 50 something you know, carries compared to about 80-something for Zeke. So it's both of them. They're very effective. And, I mean, they've got arguably the best cast of wideouts in the in the NFC, and it's working. I mean, it's, it's basically what was happening on offense a year ago before Dak went down. But on the flip side, Dan Quinn has the defense simplified and organized. So it's a co- more complete team. And the Patriots, in theory, are built to stop the run, but they really haven't been. They haven't looked good. Lawrence Guy and Dante Hightower both have looked a lot older this year, and those are two guys that normally stop the run well. They both are coming off their best games of the season against Houston, so maybe that's a little bit to feel better about if you're a Patriots fan, but they just they just seem like they wouldn't have enough answers to, to slow Dallas down. I know it doesn't have a lot of juice, and I think that's why it's been fairly muted in general with Mac Jones, but the fact that at four, four out of their five games, he's over 70% completions percentage, and then you look at, like, you look at some of the other rookie quarterbacks and how much they're struggling. I think if you're a Pats fan, you're feeling really good about Jones. Maybe not right now. Maybe right now it's, you know, he's a guy that he makes a lot of turnover worthy plays every week. And, and he's not somebody that's going to get you to jump out of your seat, like a Trey Lance or whatever. But I feel like he's developing. And yeah, I'm shocked and that I, Patriots fans aren't more into Mac Jones. Cause I think he's, I'm with you. I think he's played really well. Yeah, I mean, and that was a I know it's the Houston Texans, but, you know, that is the type of heady type drive down the field stuff that, first of all, Bill Belichick dreams about with a smile on his face and, and be like first year quarterback. He I think he he seems like he's ready to progress. And this time next year is going to be leading this offense with confidence. And I'd be feeling good about it if I'm a Pats fan. I just feel like it's been under the radar why is that? I think it's the comparison game, too, because it go. remember his pro day when we did our podcast that day where he did it at the same time as Justin Fields and Fields makes you get up out of your seat with some of the stuff he does. And Matt Jones just fits, I think, well into a system. And I mean, his arm strength, I might have a few questions about that, but he I think he manages New England really well. But it's like you then are watching Patrick Mahomes. I think You're it's watching Justin the Herbert. offense is bad. Like, yeah, he, right. he has felt like the least of their problems to me relative, you know, adjusting for having a rookie quarterback. I mean, John U. Smith is a disaster. You know, why do you say he's a disaster just because of his, I mean, he lack of offensive output or is there more to it? He, he's blocked there. All they're having him do now is block. Yeah. Uh, right. And he's not even doing it's that. Expensive well. blocker. Uh, he hasn't, you know, he's had so many drops. He's not making explosive plays. He just doesn't seem confident at all. 
Nelson Aguilar, I wouldn't say is a disaster, but he's fairly close. I mean, I'd rather have Jacoby Myers or Kendrick Bourne on the team the rest of the year than Nelson Aguilar, who you were expecting to come in and make a big impact. The offensive line has been disappointing, and now they're really injured. They might be missing three of their starters again this week. It's you know, it's think, kind of everything around Mac Jones. I think you're right. Too. And, and I think it's it's tougher to sign like a huge free agent class when you don't know who your quarterback is. You didn't know it was going to be a rookie quarterback rounding into shape because on the flip side, like Matt Judon seems like Bill Belichick's dream player. Judon's been great, but they spent a ton of money on their offense to make it better, and it's just not working right now. It could, it, you know, last week there were some positive signs. Who knows? Like they, here's what they got to do: is win one of these games because they have. About every other week, they play one of the best teams in the league. They had the Bucks a couple of weeks ago. They they have another couple of tough ones. Like they got to win one of these to get in the mix, uh, but or else they're going to keep being two and four and three and five and just be a forgettable. Bad team. news, Greg. Probably. They ain't going to win this game. No, I don't think so. And I'm so certain of it. Uh oh. I'm going to lock up America's team. And you know what? What are we doing, Desert? Three and a half points. Okay. I'm running to lock this game up because what? What about? The Cowboys tells you they're going to trip up on the Patriots, who just are relentlessly middling at this stage. All right. We'll be right back after this. All right. Here we go. We're back. Mark, you're up, baby. Two in a row. Well, I've just done a Greg thing and have no idea what what game to pick here. But actually, you know what? I like this one o'clock Vikings at Panthers offering early in the day. Good. It's a good pick. Uh, Two teams that interest me, especially Carolina. And I'd ask you this with the with the Panthers. Are you concerned more about Sam Darnold after what we saw last week? Where, I mean, he made some mistakes. You don't have Christian McCaffrey. It sounds like McCaffrey could be back mm. this week, game time position. He didn't, he didn't practice on Thursday. So now it's starting to be like, we uh-oh. See. They might be. I think, it, I think sometimes it's like it just makes sense that when Christian McCaffrey exited the picture that – and the competition jumped up that Darnold could run into some issues. And that's exactly what's happened against Dallas and Philadelphia. Um, I think Darnold is good when things are cooking and you have a nice setup around you and the opponent is right. But I think we're seeing some of these traits uh, from his time in New York where he can get into some bad habits sometimes and make some mistake throws. And and you've seen that the last two weeks. I don't think that's going away. I think this is the Sam Mm. Darnold experience. I'm curious to watch it go throughout the course of the season, but he is – top five in the league in fumbles, sacks taken, and interceptions. So normally if like a, a quarterback was wow, that's in top four actually in each, uh, if, if a quarterback is in the top four of each of those, you would think he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. Now he's made a lot of really good plays. Even last week in that, in that game, like he's made good throws and when he has to go to the second and third read, things get wonky, but there's just way too many negative plays. And that I, I like the Vikings and Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin to kind of get after him because that Panthers O-line has gotten a little bit worse each week too. I don't know though. The thing is I like seeing Dante Jackson last week for the Panthers defense, Hassan Reddick, like they just seem to have guys that show up week after week. Um, I don't know if Shaq Thompson will be back this time around, but they didn't have him a week ago, but the Vikings, I mean, you know, you look at the lions game and the Browns game before that uh, Kirk Cousins is playing fine, but they have not, they have, they have lost, you know, their way on offense to some degree. They still can they make have. explosive plays. You still see Kirk Cousins making key throws to Thielen down the stretch last week that helped set up that win. But that was the Lions, a, a banged up, uh, wanting Lions defense. So I just view the Vikings as a team that could underwhelm under Mike Zimmer week after week, or they might mm. surprise you. The Panthers, to me at least, are consistently coached well week after week. And I think they're daring. They went for it on fourth and one from their own 35 two weeks ago. They'll do anything it takes. I like guys like 
Tommy Tremble and Chubba Hubbard. This team to me is exciting. I'm interested. Chubba Wubba. I think it's Chuba Hubbard, isn't it? Chuba? Chuba? Chuba, yeah. Chuba. Um, yeah, the Vikings, you know, you guys know I like the Vikings, but they're killing me. They're impossible to figure out, and, and they're so up and down. And, you know, in week four, they score right off the uh, right off the bat against the Browns and then go into a shell for the last 55 minutes of game time, lose that 14-7. And then against the Lions, what's, what are we doing here? How are we not How are we not in your building? And I know you don't have Dalvin Cook, but uh, Madison has been a, a good uh, reserve for them. How are you not running the Lions out of that building? How do you uh, almost blow that game? It was like they had a first down w- with the 10-point lead with like three minutes left. Right, but even know. before that, know, it was like... I don't know what how it got into that situation. <laughs> so then you almost blow the game, and then Greg Joseph, of all people, hit it, Joseph, like bails you out with a kick, but it's like, who who can you expect against the Panthers? I think it's a, it's a good game because both these teams are a bit unpredictable at this juncture. Um, I really would like to see Christian McCaffrey back. I think it's interesting and notable when we tape now that he didn't practice on Thursday. Um, I wonder if that means we're going to see Chuba again. Chuba Chuba. Yeah, that'd be bad news. I I, I thought this Vikings team was going to be so good running the ball after weeks two and three, and then they've been pretty inconsistent. Like, because that's how you beat the Snow Patrol. You run right through them. Yes. Uh, they, they're like their edge defense. You know, they got steamrolled by Dallas. Everyone gets steamrolled by Dallas, but they got steamrolled more than everyone else. And then last week, late in that game, the Eagles actually ran the ball when they wanted to on the edge to kind of put them away. So you'd like to see a little Dalvin Cook, a little Madison running through them. Should I Mark. All right, I've got a second early game. I'm going to go Rams at Giants. Uh, this Giants team, I just, I you know, some of these, um, I don't know who they annoyed up in the heavens where you cannot get any of their players on the field at the same time. You know, watching Saquon Barkley getting carted off, Daniel Jones, um, a really disturbing kind of drunken hobble uh, after he was head injured. <laughs> well put. Is that how you call that? Head injured? Uh, well, you had the drunken hobble was perfect, and then the head injury, not as good. Uh, concussed. You could say that. concussed. Well, I don't, you know, head injury works for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is a game where the Injury Rams- to the head suffered a brain injury. That's another way you could go with it. I hear you. Go ahead. Concussed, Stafford. I don't know. Like uh, <laughs> Stafford makes these, inc- he 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 gets in sync with the offense, and they have huge, you know, quarters. They had like a, a, against the Seahawks last time we saw them. Their third quarter, they had 211 yards for 16 to the Seahawks, and they can do that. They were also 0 for 5 on third downs in the first half. I just they're streaky, and I feel like Stafford is a little bit streaky inside this offense. Uh, I wonder, you know, what Sean McVay would say about him at this point. Hmm. Wow. I mean, I'm, I think he's been very good, but has he been? Is Bruh. he some some metrics will say, suggest he's sort of just in the middle on his overall play? He's missed a lot of throws. Bruh. The scheme has Bruh. opened it up. I don't think he's played that well. I'm kind of with you. I mean, I don't have him in the top ten because you have to de- evaluate. Is the he ahead or behind Teddy Bridgewater? Oh, he's definitely ahead. He is ahead. <laughs> Close call. Um, Teddy's in the middle. Stafford just has a pretty good degree of difficulty in so many drives and because he misses throws, but I'm not worried about it because the fact that they have these open throws, that's what matters. And going up against this Giants defense, which hasn't really been what we expected. You know, they, they lose Dalvin Tomlinson and suddenly they can't stop the run. Uh, they really don't get after the quarterback very well. Like there's not a lot of reason to think the Giants defense is going to slow them down for long. And on the other side, they're just like, 
It's another week of like, who's going to play for the Giants? Kenny Galladay, brutal. Probably not. Saquon Barkley, probably not. Daniel Jones probably will. And that's the key one. He gives them a chance because he will have the most important player on the Giants, which is Kadarius Tony. You love you you some Kadarius Tony. You've been hot in the pants about him. I mean, it was it took one game to realize, like, this guy is going to make every draft Nick who killed Gettleman mm. for this pick mm-hmm. and then killed him even more as he was having a bad offseason. Like, oh, you guys were all so wrong because it's just like it's so obvious. And then literally the next game, he goes for 189. I mean, what's that to like? It reminds me a lot of Odell Beckham coming in after being out at the beginning of the season, just being like, oh, this guy is going to be a star. Who's Odell Beckham? While. He's this guy on the Browns. He's like, I think he's behind Rashard Higgins and <laughs> totally, Donovan, totally Donovan Fade, Fade Jones. <laughs> yeah. What happened there, Mark? How did how do they score forty two points and he gets two catches for twenty yards? Like, what is fit. going on there? He doesn't fit. Anyway, Tony does fit. Uh, Tony fits. Uh, this it was good to see. It feels like it happened a million years ago because we were in London on top of it. But uh, it was good to see Robert Woods back in that offense. Fourteen targets, twelve catches, one hundred and fifty. Um against the Seahawks. And I just think, yeah, Stafford, you, again, you could look at the numbers and he has missed some throws, but they, their offense is so much better this year with him involved uh, instead of Goff. And when you have Cooper cup, I know Deshaun Jackson's been quiet, but he's healthy, Tyler Higby. And then you add Robert Woods to it with a running game. That's fine. Uh, the, the Rams are just going to keep winning. This is a 12 win team to me. Uh, maybe 13 they're like 10 point favorites or something on the road here. Daryl Henderson, I think matters for this team. When he plays, I just think they're better. And, and Jackson like is in the perfect spot. He makes one big play a week. That's like exactly what you it want. ran out of gas against the Seahawks. But I do think it helps that Stafford gets an extra, what, three or four days with the finger that he messed up as well. Such a frustrating season for Giants and their fans, by the way, you blow that Thursday night game against Washington. You somehow find a way to lose to Atlanta on Eli day. And then you have this really emotional big win at the Superdome. And then you're fighting the Cowboys hard in the first, first half. And then Saquon steps on a foot and blows up his ankle. Jones gets head injured and <laughs> uh, you know, Galladay leaves the game and it's just like, Oh man, we can't get it going. So it's been a tough year um, for New York football. All right. Up next. The old Zeuser. All right, one more pick for me, one more for Greg, and the draft's done. Uh, my pick will be, uh, this is kind of an indictment on where they are right now, the Chiefs available late in this draft uh, heading to Washington. An indictment of Washington, too, because they were supposed to be kind of good and fun and buzzy this year. So Chiefs at Washington, a pair of two and three teams. This was the first time Sunday, Greg, where I was watching uh, the Chiefs, and I'm like, I'm a little worried. Mm. I'm a little bit worried about what's going on with the Kansas City Chiefs. We know they have problems on defense, and you assume a team of their pedigree, they'll get coached up and they'll make adjustments and maybe get to where they need to be about average. But the offense is the inability to execute and the failures um, and the backbreaking turnovers. You could look at it and say, well, you know, it's a little fluky and they're, they're happening in bunches, but the history tells us this isn't something to continue. But at the same time, they're happening. And we're now deep into October and you just lost your starting running back. And it just feels like uh, it's not working against the Chiefs right it now. It is. I mean, the part where you're saying you, you're they're hopeful you get back to average on defense. I think that's the thing I'm most concerned about is I don't know if that's coming. I don't know if I see the pass rush, if I see the personnel. Uh, the turnovers were fluky in that Bills game. 
you know, the, the Mahomes turnovers were totally fluky and they, they did help change that game, but the game plan to stop the chiefs is consistent. And I am a little surprised that they don't seem to have a, a great counter for it. And the game plan is like, make them work down the field very slowly, back your safeties up and hopefully something crazy will happen along the way. And so it's sort of built into the game plan, Dan, these fluky turnovers. It's like, make them go on 10, 15 play drives and hope you get a holding right. penalty or a weird play. And it keeps working. I, I threw out the stat that Mahomes has fewer 15 or 20 plus yard plays this year than Zach Wilson, Taylor Heineke, Mac Jones, and some other ham and egger that I kind of insulted just by putting on this well, list. Wait a because- second. Zach Wilson is not a ham and egger. He's just learning the sport, my man. No. But they have more than Mahomes. So it's here's like the it's question. Really working. So here's the question. So if your defense is designed to stop the Chiefs from the big play, that logic would dictate that there should be a ton of space in the middle of the field for Patrick Mahomes to pick you apart. Is this a situation where if you can somehow uh, negate Tyreek Hill, and if you can't, you can't throw it to Travis Kelsey every time, do they not have enough weapons around uh, Patrick Mahomes? And that's why they're able to be uh, taken advantage of in this I, way. I think that you could look beyond. So nobody's getting open. You could look beyond Kelsey and Hill and say that even going into the year, there were questions about the depth in terms of weapons. But I am like not we've been either, watching though. football for like 25, 30 years. I'm yeah. just not going to over worry about oh, this situation. He broke out the watching football for 25 to 30 yeah, years. He played That's too. Spot. Played. Well, so, so should I we play pan- the game? So should we panic as if we? I don't think so because a week ago, and I, I'll, I led the charge. I was like, "Hey, the Chiefs, man, seven drives, six touchdowns. F you for even thinking that they're not going to be okay." But then another game like that happens, and it's just like this, like this aura of invincibility is starting to fade a little bit. And I'm just wonder if like I, I there's too much though, pressure on the offense. Well, I think a lot of it is on, you know, us who a couple of years ago were thinking, wow, let's just ticket like we did Aaron Rodgers coming off the 2010 season, Patrick Mahomes for five or six Super Bowl trophies, which is just impossible to do that. in Can't the do NFL it alone. Necessarily. There's like one person that's done that. And the offense is not as healthy. And like, look at like last year in the Super Bowl, losing your offensive line, your tackles, completely neutralize them. They have other issues to deal with. I think the bigger problem is that your better teams can take advantage of their totally wanting defense. And I mean, both Washington and Kansas City, they've given up the, the, the most and second mm. most points in the league. So you'd think that maybe even Taylor Heineke could have a big game in this one. But um, I don't know if I trust their offense to keep You, you would. And it, it's a battle of two and three teams. And people are, are down on... Um are down on the Chiefs right now, but I'm not. Uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> oh. And people might say, okay, Washington Uh-oh. football team, you've had a great week uh, being back in the news. Um, uh, you're going to play strong. It's Sha- They're retiring Sean Taylor's name. They just, that was nice. And then jersey number. Yeah, that's overdue. That's nice, and he deserves every honor. Um, it 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 is weird that you, you find out four ga- four days before the game. Um, is and, he going to? You figure that they would be inspired. <laughs> but no, I'm still going to take the Chiefs to build, beat this terrible defense and lock it. I like it. That's a good lock. Barely got now, it, under the number. Gutsy. Barely. No, it's not gutsy whatsoever. I, I do want to say one quick thing about Washington. Uh, sorry. I'm just honking too much. Yes, honky talk, man. If they were the the 
Cowboys, like, people would just be killing Jack Del Rio and how embarrassing this defense is. They are the worst coach defense in the league. Every week, there are two plays where guys are yelling at each other and like, I thought you had him. No, you had him. You had him. And guys are just streaking wide open. Like, that's coaching. To your point, William Jackson, who they signed for 40 million plus, said after they gave up that terrible Hail Hail Mary play a week ago where, like, the Reds, the Washington players were just looking like, hey, what happened here? He said, we weren't expecting them to go Hail Mary there. A regular football team will try to get a couple yards to kick a field about? goal. It's like you they were did call to... it a little early, which is a play I like. I do like that. You know, call it with 20 seconds, <laughs> not with 10. I but don't know. Still. You still got to be ready yeah. for them to go over the and top. And there was another play. Situation. Regular team doesn't right. do that. And there was Deontay Harris's about? touchdown earlier. Like the safeties, it's Landon Collins is often involved. I don't know if it's his fault, but he's often involved where it's like, we don't know who's got who. And Jack Del Rio, meanwhile, is just like skating through, you know, killing, <laughs> killing John Gruden this week, which, you know, he should. Uh, but I don't know. Actually, just, you know, lay low and work on your team because you're embarrassing your team on defense this year. Here said Ron Rivera. I'm very frustrated because we have too many good football players to not be better than what we are right now. That's true. They've been one of the more disappointing teams in the league. Tyler Heineke or Taylor Heineke is the only one that's keeping them at all fun to watch. And your boy, Terry McLaurin. All right. Their crowd stinks too. There would be a lot of Chiefs fans there. I know, you know, every every Washington game. I know Greg, you want to Greg move has been on that beat for I'm just saying, like last week, you would have thought it was a Saints home game, which I've never seen. It's like, wow, it felt like a Saints home game in Washington. I'm they sure there are no many hyper-passionate <laughs> Washington football team fans. Maybe it's the acoustics of the building. Maybe it's too big a building. You know, that is, I think it's the biggest stadium. Uh, your savage takedown of the entire fan base seems untoward. I don't I don't blame them. It's been a tough couple of decades. All right, here we go. Greg, close out the draft. Okay. Uh, how do we leave the... All the know, time the, in the world the for the you now. fighting Bengals. I came up and got you for number two. I know. this. It's ruined my whole <laughs> I show. Know, I it's love ruined it. Sunday. <laughs> I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> do we have that? Uh, Bengals-Lions. Uh... You know, I love... <laughs> this is another very lockable game. I wonder if Mark's about to do so uh, because, yeah, the winless Lions are only three and a half point underdogs, which is surprising considering no one on their team is healthy. You know your team has problems when you lose Quentin Cephas for the season, and I'm just like, oh, I don't think they can recover QC. from that. I'm just like, okay, at some point hey, you um... lost too many players. You're now, like, going into – you know, deep, deep receivers and mm-hmm. all sorts mm-hmm. of positions in the secondary. I want to see the Bengals just like go in and put a whooping on them. Like this is, that would be the new Bengals team because they should. Yeah. They, I mean, the defense has lost a number of people in Detroit. They give up 10 yards per pass attempt, which is the most <laughs> in the league. That's great for Joe Burrow. And I just, this Bengals team is so resilient. There's something that's so different about them that obviously than in previous years, and I, I mean, I think it's an interesting matchup. I would never lock this, though, because I have hmm. no idea what's going to happen in this thing. Like, both teams like games to come down to the, the very end, Greg. That feels like a, a lock. Uh, I feel like the Lions have gotten a lot of credit, you know, duly so, for, like, trying at the end of the games and, and coming back. But when you watch all 60 minutes, they don't look like a good team. They look like they should be 0-5. That's all. They're a talent-deficient team that's lost many of their best players to injury. Right. And now there's just, like... I guess Jared Goff is going to wheel them to some whims. Well, so far that has not happened. How about how about this week for uh, Jamar Chase over Panay Sewell, Twitter? Because mm. I think we reached the point last week where it's just like, oh yeah, the Bengals are right. Yep. 
Not right. I don't need it has nothing to do with Sewell. And he might have a great career too. And you can debate about low tackles versus receivers. But it's like oh, Jamar Chase is gonna be great. He changes their entire offense. Would Panay Sewell, even if he's playing well, change their offense like that? I don't know. Maybe. I think I'd rather wait, have the wait, receiver. Wait, wait, wait. All right. In fairness, in fairness, Panay Sewell is the guy they see as a long term left tackle. Or, you know, yeah. crushing right tackle, but left tackle. If he is at the skill level of, I guess, Jamar Chase at that position, yes, you can then make it's the a case. conversation. But yeah. but that's actually not what the draft pedigrees were, I guess, to that level. Jamar Chase, we had seen it in college that he was an absolute terror that could not be covered. Um, and I think it just more than anything, um, it just makes the case that we don't need to be doing podcasts in July. Well, right, because it's all it's it was just overreaction to the fact that oh, <laughs> maybe he's not a pro right receiver. Here. He's got drops all over I the can't, place. How, we yeah, how we were time? sitting there with with Will Blackman in the Sky Studios at the stadium, and he was just like, I mean, he put it well. Which when the ball's in the air, Chase just like knows it's his ball, and that's like a hard thing to measure. But I think it makes sense that he didn't test incredibly well. And you were like, huh, is this going to translate right. perfectly? But there is something about him like a T.O., although he would have his drops. It's just like that ball is his. He's going to go get right. the ball. I thought Will <laughs> crazy. put it really well because, yeah, he said basically some guys and there are very few of them. I think he mentioned Odell when Odell came out was similar. Odell Beckham. He was a wide receiver on the Giants, was a major star. All right. I don't know where he is now, but um, he's just better. He knows he's better than you. And it doesn't matter who's lining up against him. He's got that ball. That's his. Um, and that's that's where this guy's at. And I think, yeah, we all kind of owe Cincinnati an apology. We kind of owe Jamar Chase an apology because it was just piling on about some practice drops. And he's arguably the best wide receiver in football this season. Whoa. That, I mean, that might be. Well, put him. Who's better? Who's, who can you say is like better than Jamar Chase Cooper through Cup five and, games. Cooper Cup and Devontae uh, Is Adams. it a conversation, though? No, I don't think oh, so. Oh, I don't know, man. I, but but if, you like, if you factor that he's a rookie coming and, off a weird and He's Cup the rookie and of the year right now, which is kind of crazy, don't you think? He's yeah. probably the rookie. I guess yeah. if you wanted to get cute and give it to Slater, Cooper Cup, those would probably be the two. Devontae Adams are kind of like Devontae Adams in terms of production is peerless, and Cup has been amazing Je- for the Jefferson, Rams. Jefferson, I know the numbers aren't there, but just watching Jefferson. Right. You put him ahead. And, he's, and Jamar Chase is this year's version of Jefferson, but just in terms of impact, big time plays, game changing plays. No one's mm-hmm. had as many as Chase. That's all I'm saying. That's um, fair. All right, uh, let's go through the rest of the games here. Uh, let's start. We have a London game, the second London game, international series at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Has it already been? I don't know. Four days since we were in that stadium for 14 hours. Greg Rosenthal. They got another game. It is Dolphins at Jaguars. Uh, one and four against zero oh and five. Tough matchup here. <laughs> I think the biggest subplot of this game is my uh, corduroy jacket that I bought uh, in London. I left sitting on a chair in the Sky Sports suite, oh, and I'm no. just wondering if it's going to be recovered and somehow get back to me because I. Well, some of them listen to this podcast, perhaps Neil, if you yeah. happen to listen. I I DM Neil Sunday night and he never replied. I mean, they should FedEx it to you. <laughs> If they have FedEx. It's like, it's like, I'm done with you. I got what I needed. Television content when you came to England. <laughs> I will not recover your jacket. Um, no, but I left it on a chair. It was 35 pounds, which is like 55 bucks or something here. <laughs> and I'd like to get more than one day usage out of it. I would love to get that jacket back. You went corduroy. I did. I kind of said, let's turn back the clock a little bit. I used to love corduroy jackets in the mid-90s. 
41 uh, year old dad. I don't know what's cool and what's not cool anymore. So I just said, I, look good. I said, screw it. I'm going to wear this jacket. Felt good. Felt confident. I mean, you wore it. it. You wore it um, on a Jumbotron with 65,000 people. Got to feel good about a jacket if you're going to wear it in front of 65K. It's also, it's a, it's a bit of a power move just to wear it, to buy it for 35 pounds or whatever mm-hmm. you said it was. Wear it for one day and just leave it in a stadium and say, don't care. Maybe just act like you're good. You don't. Yeah, you but don't I need do it need it back because I don't have that type of disposable income just to one and done jackets. <laughs> That's not my thing. Anyway, Sorry, if you yeah. find it, let me know. All right, next game. No. <laughs> Anything on Dolphins, Jaguars. Now, uh, Tua is practicing again. Sounds like he'll play. Um, does that mean he's starting in London. It's expected to start at this point. They haven't uh, said anything, but that's kind of the expectation, yeah. I mean, is there a bigger mess of a team that had higher expectations than the Dolphins? I don't think so. We, we talked about this a little bit on Sunday, I think, and it's just like where they were, the path, the path that they were supposedly on to where they are now. It's it's a pretty shaky situation, and you don't really know what to hold, put your hat on right now with the Dolphins. The Jaguars are the perfect team to get uh, right now because obviously it's a winless team, and you can kind of get yourself right and go into the bye and then hit reset. So I think things set up well for the Dolphins here, but I don't know if a bye week is going to magically fix what ails them. Right. They're in their third year under Flores, and the first two years felt ahead of schedule. Found my jacket. But, but now they feel like, you know, they were almost, you know, they look like a team that was as bad as before Flores arrived. If he can't cook up Trevor Lawrence, who seems imminently cookable, cookable right now in terms of confusing him and getting him late and making a couple big time mistakes that lose him the game. Then you start having to wor- wonder about like the vision here. They keep cycling guys in and out on defense like let's get it together, Miami. Let's win this game. I thought hard about locking it because I really do think they're going to get Henry Hodgson and Nat Coombs and all those UK Dolphins fans a win. There's a lot of them out there. We saw them in the crowd on Sunday. There's a lot of UK Dolphins fans. There's a lot of UK uh, Jaguars fans, a lot of Bortles jerseys out there. But the problem is like, <laughs> it's like London's going to start taking this game, this personally sending these teams. If they do, if they do combine three and 15, these teams that yeah. to London this year, put it this way, if they go to Germany next year, and let's hope they do. And they announced there was three finalist cities. Uh, and Germany gets in the mix, and then you send, like, Chiefs Bucks there, England's going to start a war. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be Revolutionary War Part 2, U.S., Great Britain, and we're going to be in a tough sitch. You know what it might be is, like, they're they're almost too easy to please because the, the it's like a Super Bowl atmosphere. You, you've been there, and I felt it even more in this one. The crowd was insanely good for a Falcons-Jets game. I mean, they were so into it. They were so loud. Every like whoever was scoring, they're going absolutely insane. Uh, It it really and it was like Jets Falcons. Let's let's give them the best we have to offer. It's like the boyfriend or girlfriend that's like too nice for their own good, and they're just getting they're getting taken advantage of. That's we're, the we're sending, crowd. Right, yeah. we're sending them Jamal Agnew and Tavon Austin as like legitimate parts of this stop. Jaguars offense. We should, and I also want to apologize to Neil Reynolds, who actually did get back to me while I was sleeping that night. He said he just saw it. And he's going to ask the production manager on site, and if they find it, they're going to mail it to me. So What's Neil, I, well, I owe you I an like apology. That you buried him. I buried <laughs> Neil. Even like minutes ago, I buried Neil without even looking at the. Well, DM. Greg has done that, and you've made your. That's These guys true. have forgiven each yeah, other. We apologize. Let's, uh, let's move on. Uh, Last game, right? <laughs> hey, guys. It's Larry oh. Wessling here with uh, Wessling Brother on. Week 6. Larry. Once again, we'll travel back across the pond where the 1-4 <laughs> Dolphins take on the 0-5 Wessling Jaguars. Brothers are too much. <laughs> for no other good reason 
but spite, I'm locking up the Jaguars this week. <laughs> Why? Who knows? One of these teams has to win. Why spite, you ask? <laughs> this is what happens when the other brothers don't let me lock up the Browns in a big spot. Mark, happy birthday. Hope you're feeling better. Uh, Hope the recovery is going great. Larry. Greg, Dan, Ricky, keep up the good work. We'll see you guys soon. That's awesome. These Wesley wow. brothers, they don't uh, care about the competition. They just want to bury each other week after week. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate them for that, that this is so it's kind of it's no longer about our podcast. It's just this internal battle that we actually have a window into it. And it's just this has been going on for 45 years. I mean, it feels very Jaguars-esque if things <laughs> continue to slide the way they are there. But um, I love the infighting. Uh, I can only imagine what it's like to be live in that house with all those brothers. I, uh, I don't know. <laughs> trying you know, to lose. No slight to the other <laughs> Wesleyan brothers, but I want more Tim. I really like what Tim <laughs> delivered here. That was Larry, wasn't it? Oh, that was Larry. That was Larry. No, oh, we got you, some, you, maybe you also. He was slamming Tim. Tim. So oh, Larry. No, I. Larry wants the Wesley brothers to lose to get back at them for not letting him lock up the Browns earlier this season. I mean, think about that for a second. So, did he send that like as a rogue transmission? Do they even know that that's the lock? No, they, that did come. Um, the gatekeeper here is Nick. Nick's the one that mm. sends it my way. My bad. Um, so I think they're all in on it. That well, he, Larry's the youngest, you know. It's it's tough for the youngest. Well, he He's could win. Got to get back at him. <laughs> all right, here we go. Packers at Bears. This one didn't get drafted, uh, and it's because I think it's just because the Bears are kind of because not... I made a horrible mistake and was on <laughs> tilt after the whole Chargers Ravens <laughs> thing. So you got the Packers uh, at the Bears. The Bears are three and two. And people get crazy mad at me because I just I'm so stubborn moving them up the power rankings. Uh, uh, but I just I feel like this is the same as the Bears last year. Only remember when the Bears got hot in December and they ended up sneaking in the playoffs. At, but at no point did you feel like ah the Bears are actually not that bad. That's kind of what I feel. But then then you have to look at it from this perspective. Justin Fields is getting his feet wet. And um, it's not a highlight factory right now, but it's good that he's getting the reps and he's getting opportunities and they at least have a game plan in place that's giving him a chance. And the defense the last couple of weeks and really for most of the season has been lifting them to victories, uh, which is maybe not the 2018 level, but it's been better and opportunistic, and that's really why they've won three of five. Yeah, I, I see them differently than last year's team. I know what you're saying, but... I guess what's what's similar is that they handed over play calling to Bill Lazor last year and it worked. Nagy takes it back because Nagy is crazy. Um, and now they've handed it back to Bill Lazor. And I thought at least against the Raiders, I saw a Bears offense that had some identity. I mean, to have David Montgomery out of the lineup and still run the way they did, um, I like that a lot. I am locking up, though, oh. the Green Bay Packers because it's a very ah. lockable game. They are on the road, but... Yeah. Uh, I trust them to do just enough each week. I, they seem a little out of sync to me at times, but you know, Devontae Adams, You Aaron guys locked Jones. them up last week and got got uh, fortunate that McPherson hit uh, hit it off that. I like that I, I, had, I generally have a, a tumultuous relationship with the Packers, but I am using them for my own good. Here mm. is the standings in the lock competition through week five. Dan and Mark, both riding four-game winning streaks. Four and one. The listeners uh, over on the subreddit and the Wesseling brothers, both three and two. Greg, you've bounced back nicely after the 0 and 3 start. You're now two and three. Ricky somehow has a win. I don't really believe it, but she's one and three. Uh, so that's uh, the standings where we're at. Uh, uh, all right, let's move on. Unless you had something on the Packers you wanted to share, Greg, from your notebook. I just 
think they need to get more players involved. Like the lack of depth on their offense. They are not a great offense right now. Now they've played some pretty good defenses and this is another one, but like I'm with you, Mark. I kind of expect it to be a, a close game because remember Alan Lazard? Where's yes. He? Remember, remember Marquez Valdez Scantling? He's on IR, isn't he? No. Uh, show up. You know, come off IR. <laughs> Tanyan. Uh, Tanyan. Yeah, what happened to Bobby Tanyan? You know. Remember that was the thing? It was cooking? Ecclesiastes St. Brown back in the day? <laughs> I mean, no, no one has produced in their receiving core except for Adams, who's having right. a great year. And the running game is great. I mean, I, I actually think that one-two punch is right there with anyone outside of Chubb and Hunt. I would put Zeke and Pollard, and then maybe maybe you go with the Packers duo right next. So they, they have things, but like they're 13th in EPA right now, which is kind of an offensive efficiency. They were number one last year. They're just like a yeah. – they're, they're struggling a little bit on offense. And this Bears front, you mentioned it. They get after you. Robert Quinn, it's a year late, but he's been wor- worth all the money this year. It's, um, it's not really surprising, though, is it, with the Packers on, on some level? Because you, that season last year was just so – it was like everything came together, and they just got rolling, and they just stayed rolling. But given the the personnel, it, it doesn't surprise me that they would fade back a little bit this year. And that means other facets of the team need to be better because uh, I don't know if I see the Packers like turning back into last season because that felt like a special year for them on mm. offense. I, I tend, maybe that's foreboding. I, I tend to agree. They could get some players back, including Bakhtiari and Jenkins, which would really well, help. Well, other teams like the Cowboys are rising up too. You don't just ticket them for the title game. Right. This this game, if Justin Fields could ever beat the Packers in his first start, uh, and you know it's going to be defensive-led, but to make enough plays, woo, that would be like a fun little narrative street. Like, you know, not I'm, for my luck, kind of like, Greg, I hope you're rooting right. for I'm, me yeah. to continue no, to I'm succeed. I mean, I'm sick of the Packers just like kind of like skating by each week. All right. The 49ers, Falcons, Jets and Saints all on by. And I think that's it. I think we got everything. Unless Graver, you got something that I missed. But I think that's every game. I think you covered it. Good. All right. Good stuff. Again, Greg, tonight with Nate Tice. We like Nate Tice. Good X's and O's guy. Vegas, Vegas guy. He's got a nice, guy. got a sub stack. You know he what might, that is? Right. What's a sub stack? Uh, it's a collection of articles and film studies that he does that I subscribe to during my exodus. You got to pay and, for uh, it, though. You pay for the sub stack? Yeah, I do. Do you... Um, to support my friend, Nate Tice. Do you expense it or do you... That will be happening at some point and see if I can slide it by, you know, I don't even know who my boss is anymore, but I'll just sort of Neither slide it by. I'm a subscriber, too. I was going to give him the plug on tonight, but now he's now he's doubling up here. But He's yeah. got a sub. What was it? A Substack. Substack. Yeah. Substack. That's good. Can we get Substacks? I mean, I've it, thought it about it. Required extra work. No. Yeah. Well, to put the stuff out there that you know, NFL.com says I don't it, want you to talk about this. Well, I'll talk about it on this other platform and maybe charge seventy-five cents for readers monthly. It's like uh, what you didn't see on the Power Rankings show. <laughs> Power Rankings Plus. I don't think that's where I would go with my Substack. Is a second. There'd be other. Things to mind. All right. <laughs> Rosenthal and Tice tonight. And then we're back on Sunday. And uh, don't forget the power ranking. Oh, excuse me. Power rankings, though, is Tuesday's NFL Network at 3 p.m. Eastern. But the around the NFL broadcast. Oh, boy. This thing is taken off. Ratings juggernaut every Saturday. Check it out on the network. Set the DVR. Okay. Good stuff. Thank you, Gravedigger, for filling in. Hopefully Ricky's back on Sunday. Dan Hans is signing off for Quiet Storm, the old boss. 
Grave digger. Till Friday, heed the call.